Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and today our guest is Inadi Martel. He is a expert on light therapy. Thanks for coming on today. My pleasure, Gary. I'm happy to be here. Great. So, um, my first question, and I think this is even is a simple question, but I know sometimes it's a matter of debate. What is light? <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> Very fundamental question. Actually, uh, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's the core of the issue. <clears throat> if you look even at uh, the greatest physicists, um, there's, of course, a lot that is known about light. But the, the, its basic nature remains a mystery, as actually remains the... the uh, mystery of, of all matter and energy for that for that uh, matter um, uh, even Einstein who uh, of course uh, we would have thought would have been one of the best places to understand the nature of light he studied it all his life said shortly before he died that uh, even after having thought about it for so many years he still didn't understand he still didn't know what it was so <laughs> That's where we stand. And um, of course, there is a lot that is known about the, the, the nature of light. Basically, we know that it is a form of electromagnetic wave, electromagnetic energy. And um, as such, it's, um, it features inside uh, an enormous, vast spectrum of frequencies of electromagnetic waves. And what we call light is actually just a small part of that spectrum, a tiny octave of frequencies in a range that spans uh, over 70 of such octaves, <laughs> from extremely low frequencies to the highest, right. gamma rays and so on. So it is part of, of a um, vast um, aspect of nature, electromagnetic waves, it's related to one of the four fundamental forces identified by physics. And um, the, so sometimes we, we tend to lose sight of the fact that it is, um, for example, it's of, it's of the same nature as radio waves. The radio that you use in your mobile phones every day, mm-hmm. they're exactly the same photons, the same electromagnetic waves as light is except that light has a frequency of about a million times higher than the waves of your radios. And because this frequency is so much higher, it's perceived, it, it uh, gives um, rise to very diff- different um, physical phenomena. And um, the reason we call it light is um, just because our eyes, our visual system are tuned to that very specific octave of frequencies. We don't see below, we don't see above, it's infrared and ultraviolet. We see right in that octave that we call light. And uh, if you look at the, um, the spectrum of that um, window of perception of our senses, of the, our eyes, 
uh, you immediately see that it's not a coincidence that our eyes developed, biology developed to perceive that particular octave of frequencies, because it's precisely um, the, uh, the range of frequencies uh, of the peak of emission of our sun. So life evolved on Earth to, to be finely tuned with that um, emission of energy from the sun, and our visual uh, sense is just tuned to that, that uh, octave of frequencies. That's the peak of emission of the sun. Interesting. Um, now, like right away, I automatically the first thing I think is about everything being connected, you know, and how <laughs> there would be no life on this planet without the sun and without light. Indeed. Well, actually, nearly all energy on this planet comes from light from the sun. That's what drives uh, everything, life and, and uh, the weather and so on. So it's really all, um, we all owe it to light. So light's pretty important, plays a, it plays a really important role in our lives, in, in life in general, but it's mysterious and we don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the difference, or is there a difference between light in color. Well, color is uh, an attribute of light, mm -hmm. um, and it corresponds to the frequency of a light uh, um, wave, uh, of its wavelength. If you look at the spectrum of um, wavelengths uh, emitted by the sun, uh, um, corresponding to our sense of vision, you see that um, it, it's actually what we perceive as the rainbow. Mm -hmm. um, or going from deep red um, then to beautiful red, orange, yellow, green, turquoise, blue, and then it goes into violet and it fades away, it disappears. You can see it very clearly when you look at the rainbow. And um, so these are all just, um, it's this, the spectrum of these, uh, this emission from the sun, which, which covers all these frequencies. When they spread, split by little prisms, the, the droplets of water in right. the atmosphere, the, the, um, then you can see each of them separately. That's actually a repeat of the experiments that uh, Newton did. Um, originally, he was um, when, when he took a, a prism, he put it in front of a white light ray, and he saw that all these seven colors came out of it. It was uh, the origin of many of his... Uh, uh, great theories. Wow. Um, so, so what is is the spectrum of color the source of light, or is light the source of the spectrum of color? Well, it's just a question of, of um, how you want to to define it. But uh, um, color is an attribute of light. Light is the mm -hmm. basic phenomenon, and it has different properties. It has a certain intensity, it has a certain wavelength, which corresponds to color, and it also has a certain phase, a certain polarization. Light has many uh, properties which you can break down and analyze, and color is one of those. Right. Yeah, because I always think of like that Pink Floyd cover for Dark Side of the Moon, you know, where the light goes in, it comes out color. So uh -huh. my automatic assumption is always is like, light is the source, and then the colors are a result of the light. Mm -hmm. You can say that. <laughs> um, so, so how does this 
how do you utilize this light and um, and light into a therapeutic device? Is it the use of color and light, just light? And and how does it affect the the person? Does it affect their consciousness, or does it actually affect the physical cells of the body? All of the above and more. <laughs> so it sounds like there's a lot to explain. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> because it's such a um, universal phenomenon in our life, um, on our planet, light, it's not surprising that it will touch um, so many aspects of our life. <clears throat> and it will indeed uh, have a key effect uh, on our body, on our cells. Um, so that will uh, bring about a, a whole category of light therapies using light uh, to help cellular metabolism. So you have one aspect of light therapy focused on that. And then, of course, um, light, um, one of its main functions it, it is related to our vision, to our, to our eyes. The um, vision is, is our main sense. Uh, uh, it's said that about 80% of our sensorial uh, processing mm -hmm. is related to light and vision. So naturally, everything we, that's connected with light and colors have, has a profound effect on our perception. So there's a whole other range of light therapies that, that exploit this aspect of light. And then there's other aspects which are <clears throat> not so obvious. Um, for example, there's one uh, um, aspect of, of light that's mediated by the sense of vision, by the eyes, but that is separate from our perception of, of um, light, our conscious perception. And that's what's called now the, uh, the non-visual non optic um, portion of the optic nerve. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, um, it's actually a direct connection between the, the eyes, the retina of the eyes, and the core of the brain, the hypothalamus. Um, it's a completely separate circuit from the circuit of vision that goes back to the visual cortex in the back of the brain. It, it's a direct link between light and our... Uh, core um, equilibrium, the, the hypothalamus, is really the brain within the brain. That's what regulates our whole hormonal balance, our circadian rhythm, and so on. <clears throat> so you have this direct influence of light on these core processes happening in the brain that, that's quite separate from uh, vision, from perception of light as, as images and colors and so on. So already you see three completely different aspects yeah. of uh, ways uh, into which light can, can um, affect us. And there are light therapy modalities uh, making use of each of these separate mm -hmm. aspects. <clears throat> and they will target very different things. They will have very different types of uh, instruments and, and applications. So because it's such a wide variety, sometimes it creates confusion. Uh, when you say light therapy, uh, you kind of bundled together uh, many, many very different things. Wow. So, so, so how do you figure out which one is needed for a certain type to help something? Um, like, like say somebody comes to you um, for depression. How do you figure out what type of light is going to help a person with depression? 
Um, it's interesting that you ask that because uh, depression is one example where actually all these three different forms of uh, light uh, therapies will be helpful uh, through completely different uh, channels. Mm -hmm. So um, one typical, um, the best known treatment uh, related to depression is uh, what's called seasonal affective depression, SAD. Uh, and of course, everybody has heard of it. Yeah. Uh, when we lack sufficient bright light, especially in wintertime, uh, there's not enough uh, brightness to entrain our inner rhythm, our inner clock. And when our inner clock falls out of sync with the daily rhythm, it, it uh, leads to all kinds of uh, troubles, uh, both physical and mental. So there's a form of therapy called bright light therapy that uses a bright source of light, usually white or blue, um, that you will be exposed to. Usually sessions last 10, 15 minutes. Uh, in the morning to help you wake up and so on. And it mm -hmm. helps to re-synchronize your circadian rhythm. And that can have profound effect on depression because when your rhythm is, is out of sync, then you lack energy, uh, you, you lack brightness. And, and then, you, you, of course, just a simple fact to retune yourself to the daily rhythm can have a, a very big impact. And there's now many studies showing that bright light isn't only effective for uh, specifically seasonally uh, related um, depression, like SAD, but it's also helpful for all types of depression, even depressions that are, are quite mm -hmm. resistant to um, uh, standard treatment. There was actually a study a couple of years ago that um, many psychiatrists didn't appreciate too much when it was shown that bright light was just as effective as Prozac and, and, and other standard drugs to, um, against depression. So that's one way to use light against depression. Right. And then other ways are, are also um, available, which uh, can be more surprising. For example, um, when I talked about the cellular aspect of light on your cells, on your, on your skin, for example, uh, that mostly acts through deep red and near infrared part of the spectrum. And it's, we now know that this uh, range of wavelengths um, stimulates cellular metabolism. It, it activates the mitochondria that we have within each of our cells, and it helps them to produce more ATP, which is uh, the energy used by our uh, all uh, cellular functions. So it means that light, this type of light, can, can enhance the energy available to your cells, and that leads to all kinds of beneficial healing effects. And you would think that um, that's all very nice, but how do you bring that light to the brain if you want to treat depression that's happening mm -hmm. in neurons? Well, it so happens that the cranium uh, is partly transparent to near-infrared light. If you shine a bright source of um, near-infrared light, there's about 2-3% that will penetrate the cranium, and you, then you can irradiate directly your neurons. And you can wow. stimulate the metabolism with this light. And <laughs> so that's another form of treatment of depression where you have strong uh, red lights on the cranium. Mm -hmm. It's called transcranial uh, therapy. And again, it's been shown to, to uh, help depression. So that's a completely different way of using light for it. Mm -hmm. And then there's actually a third way, um, which is related to colors. Okay. Your, your first question about colors. Um, 
because naturally we all know that we love colors. Colors just give us joy and they, they, they can lift us out of uh, darkness and depression. So when you use colors in the right way, you can uh, really give a boost, but more at a cognitive level. So it's not anymore a biochemical phenomenon. It's not anymore a hormonal phenomenon. It's really a, a, a cognitive phenomenon where you use or your, your extremely sensitive uh, channel of vision uh, to stimulate uh, um, cognitive action in the brain. So there's another form of therapy using pure colors, very vibrant and pure colors, just to bring back that, that joy and that uh, energy um, directly to the brain. It's like food for, for the brain mm -hmm. through the vision system. So again, another form of light therapy for depression. That's and really cool. You can use these I mean, if you go to different, each of these techniques will be used by a different type of therapist. Mm -hmm. It's quite rare that you will find people work with all of them together, although that does exist and more and more as people become more aware of the potential of light therapies. So um, you can find a therapist which will apply each of these modalities. That's really interesting. I, I know, like, like myself, I, I've always kind of struggled a little bit with depression. And one of the things that always does help me is if I would go outside and just sit in the sun for a 15 minutes or a half hour, I can feel, I can actually feel the chemical change in my brain right. switch a little bit. Like, yes. I, you know, and I just feel more relaxed. I feel more focused. Um, it, it's amazing. And it's just from just, being outside in the sun and, and during the winter when it's especially like when it's cloudy and there's no sun at all that's when it's the hardest for me <laughs> you're not alone and um, that, that's really the most uh, easy and basic form of light therapy go outside and take some sun and um, even if you can take some sun um, without too much protection occasionally mm-hmm because we, we've become very afraid of uh, sunburn and cancer of the skin and so on. And we, we, um, we constantly put creams to block the sun right. and sunglasses and so on. And, and there's, a, there's a big um, tendency in our societies in, in recent years to um, really block the sun. And naturally, there are very good reasons for that. The, the skin cancer is extremely dangerous. And you have to to take precautions, but it's as always. It's a matter of balance. Right. Uh, you need that sunlight for your health. Mm -hmm. You need it to to as we mentioned to resynchronize your inner clock. You need bright light in midday, and you also need uh, bright light to synthesize vitamin D from your skin. Light is the primary source of vitamin D, which is essential for for health and uh, both physical and mental. And uh, you will not get vitamin D from if you're if you're covered in clothes and in, in um, uh, sunscreen uh, cream. Mm -hmm. So you you always have to be careful naturally because everybody has different sensitivities right. uh, to to bright sunlight. Some people mm -hmm. will burn immediately. Some can lie in the sun for an hour and, and no problem. So you have to totally be aware and, and sensitive to your own sensitivity. But occasionally, 
it's uh, healthy to, to uh, expose as much of the skin as possible to bright midday sunlight for a short time. You never want to go anywhere near burning. Right. But um, this is uh, the, the most efficient conversion of sunlight into uh, vitamin D precursors happen when the light is most intense and, and near noon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that so because at that time the conversion is so efficient, you can do it quickly enough um, to not reach the, the, the levels of exposure that would be detrimental in terms of skin cancer and so on. So you have a better chance of getting that in, in bright midday light than later on in the day when, when the sun is lower. Then you'll get more. It's a matter of which portions of the ultraviolet spectrum right. you get. You have UVA, UVB. And the balance between those is important in, in this respect. Yeah, that's also something that, that I do, um, at least during the summer, like when I can go out, like I'll go out to, like, to, to the pool for like an hour. Like I'm good, I, I can be out there without the lotions and all that stuff for about an hour, then I'll start to burn. And, and then I go home and, 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 I, and again, I always feel so much more relaxed after doing that you know like usually i'll just like want to take a nap or something afterwards and you know right. and it's such a well, good you, feeling you know that if you if you expose your whole body in, in bright sunlight it takes only 10 minutes to generate about ten thousand iu uh, units of uh, vitamin d so it's extremely efficient wow uh, so you don't need for that particular purpose you don't need long exposures if you have bright light mm-hmm. large area of skin. um so, so how's it like with things other than depression? Say somebody um, that's angry could, could 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 light and color be used to help somebody with like a like a you know that type of emotional disturbance? Yes, well, that 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 connects to a, a rather wide question. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, just to, to give a clue, um, if you just look at the rainbow, uh, imagine a bright rainbow and, and, and uh, full daylight. Um, whenever it, it has such a magical uh, power, everybody loves the brightness and purity of, of colors. It's a kind of wired in our brain to, to be sensitive to those bright colors, to, to be attracted to them. So if you're angry and you look at something like a, a tremendous rainbow, very naturally, it will divert your focus of attention. You suddenly be, your attention will be brought to a much wider uh, um, set of possibilities. It will help you to uh, unhook from being focused on one particular obsessive uh, difficulty. So it's just, uh, I'm just saying that as an illustration of the, the broad principle. Um, the fact that pure colors have um, such uh, power over our perception means that if they're used skillfully, mm-hmm. they can really um, bring you to, to different inner spaces. And um, so there's a whole form of therapy called chromotherapy or color therapy, which uh, uses uh, specific sequences of colors, specific ways of applying colors uh, to um, 
to go in that direction too. And, and it, it's helpful for a wide range of, uh, of um, symptoms uh, beyond depression, as we mentioned. It's used um, to help for insomnia, it can be used to help for burnout, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, uh, chronic pain, it, it has a pr uh, profound action in chronic pain. And so there's many different ways, uh, many different uh, uh, symptoms that can be um, helped by this form of, of use of pure colors. Oh. Um, is there any credence to the correspondences of color to the chakras in the body? <clears throat> You know how like the different chakras represent different, like like for example, like the heart chakra would be green, mm -hmm. and you know like th that that would help you know manifest like compassion and love and and growth. Um, is there any truth to that? Well, the, the chakras in themselves are hypothetical, um, symbolic uh, concepts. Uh, they, it's of course part of an ancient tradition in, in India. Mm -hmm. and it's been kind of uh, recuperated by, by uh, modern traditions. Um, and the chakras, uh, I mean, it, there's many, many systems of chakras. Uh, the most popular one uses seven chakras. So right. there's a nice correlation between seven chakras and seven colors. But traditionally, there's many systems. Uh, that have anywhere from uh, three, five, seven, up to thousands of chakras. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's not a fixed thing. It's very fluid depending on uh, who um, approaches the uh, question. But uh, it, it, it's very logical and nice to um, make a relation between the, the chakras, which is a kind of energetic progression within your body from the lower to the higher, right. with this uh, octave of light, of colors. And uh, so <clears throat> the, the, the traditional way to map this is to map the seven chakras to the progression of the rainbow, mm -hmm. starting from red to uh, orange, and yellow and green for heart, as you mentioned, and blue for the throat and... and uh, um, indigo for the third eye and right. violet or white sometimes for the, um, the crown chakra. So it, it's a very beautiful and inspiring uh, um, connection to be made there. Now, who can tell how real it is? Um, it, it's um, not really um, possible for me to say. I mean, you see sometimes images uh, that are supposed to be uh, photos of um, aura colors mm -hmm. and chakra colors and so on. The, the, this type of technique usually um, will create colors or light in ways that are very hard to imagine being related to uh, specific subtle energy phenomena from the chakras. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, Kilian photography is, is, is used a lot to generate light from uh, um, the um, edge of the body, right. corona discharge, and that's one source of uh, these images that we, that we see as color being emitted by the body. But in fact, these corona discharges are more related to local phenomena uh, where the meridians, 
um, acupuncture reach uh, the surface of the body and that's where there's more the, the impedance mm-hmm. electrical impedance is different in those points so you will get different patterns of discharge and um, devices that that add colors to this are often quite arbitrary so um, again it, it, it's a beautiful uh, um, approach and i use it myself in my own uh, um, form of chromotherapy. I have uh, sessions which are based on these progression of chakras and mm-hmm. colors. Um, but I approach it more as a beautiful symbolic way to harmonize yourself rather than I'm trying to describe a, a specific scientific um, view on it. Right. Like, I, I know, of, like, like, I mean, I don't have it on today, but like, if it was nighttime, I would have like a, a blue light on. And I used, you know, because it, it um, is supposed to energize like the throat chakra and communication. So I'll use blue when I'm doing podcasts in the evening. Um, during the day, I have sunlight. <laughs> for me, like sunlight is just sort of suffices for everything. <laughs> well, you mentioned blue light, and it's a fascinating point um, because. Uh, Again, it, it just goes to show um, the, the wide range of effects of light. Um, it's always traditionally in, in chromotherapy, in color therapy, blue, as you mentioned, has always been associated with relaxation and, and uh, calm and peace and so on. <clears throat> and uh, by contrast, the bright colors like red, orange, mm. yellow are associated with uh, energy. They, right. they stimulate. It's kind of the broad polarity of, of color therapy, the, the cool colors, blue, green, turquoise are sedating, relaxing, the bright colors, the, the, the warm colors, orange, yellow, green are stimulating. It's, it's pretty much the, the basis of um, this use of, of color. But we now know since uh, the past 20 years or so that blue light plays a critical role in um, synchronizing the circadian rhythm. Uh, I just mentioned this uh, um, non-visual optic portion of the nerve that right. connects the retina to the hypothalamus. It's specifically driven by blue light. The, the sensors in the retina that, that are connected to that, that part of the optic nerve only perceive or mostly perceive deep blue uh, color. And uh, <clears throat> the system is designed so that when at midday you have this bright blue sky, mm-hmm. this gives you a strong signal uh, to the hypothalamus and it's used as a, a reference to, to um, reset our clock. So this blue light is critical to as a sign of midday um, information. <clears throat> so when you use such blue light at night, you will scramble this internal clock because you, the, the, the system will start to think, well, it must be uh, midday because there's a lot of blue now. So that's when you start to desynchronize your circadian clock. Um, it's actually more of a problem in recent years uh, for a very simple reason. It's because we're starting to use different forms of uh, artificial light. We're starting mm-hmm. to use, uh, first it was uh, CFLs and now it's uh, basically LED lights. Everybody has LED light bulbs in their home now. and they even if the light that they emit appears similar 
to the light that we've always had from incandescent light bulbs for over 100 years. To the eye, it seems quite similar. If you look at their spectrum, they are actually very different. And the, our inner clock is not fooled by this appearance of similarity. It's tuned to aspects of the, the light that your vision doesn't necessarily perceive. And more specifically, this proportion of blue light in it. Hmm. And LED light bulbs um, actually emit, often emit, a much higher proportion of blue light than regular incandescent light bulbs, if you look at their spectrum. Okay. So they will have a much more um, impact, much more potential to disrupt our circadian rhythm than traditional lighting sources had. And so we're kind of still in the process of adjusting to that. Mm. It's um, now become quite well known, even in mainstream, that you have to be careful to use um, warm and white light bulbs, the ones with a lower color temperature mm -hmm. for nighttime in the home, and not to use the cool white or day white um, light bulbs, which have a much more high proportion of blue in them. <clears throat> so here you are, you have the same blue color. On one side, we say that it's the most relaxing color, just as you mentioned, you use it at night to, to feel nice. And on the other hand, we know that this very same color um, will prevent you from sleeping. It will suppress melatonin uh, uh, secretion, mm -hmm. it will disrupt sleep and so on. So how do you put these two together? It, it seems to be um, opposite properties. Right. Does it have to do with can, can does intensity of the light have an effect? Like 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 the blue light with less intensity? Exactly. That that's the key uh, in this particular case. Um, it's a question of intensity um, because the um, um, circadian resetting um, process requires high intensities. <clears throat> it requires at least a hundred lux of light for an extended period of time, like at least half an hour, to start to have an effect on the um, hypothalamus. The, the system is, is made to respond only to bright midday light. <clears throat> and uh, when you put this nice soft blue light in your environment at night, if you measure it, it'll be very, very low. For example, mm -hmm. if you look at the, the, um, this globe here, which is a, a light therapy device that uh, I make, um, it only gives maybe one lux of blue light, so much, much less intensity than, than will uh, be needed to disrupt your circadian rhythm. So you can have a nice, soft, bluish light at night to, to um, benefit from the relaxing properties of blue um, if it's not too bright. And uh, <clears throat> it, again, it, it's always a matter of balance. Mm -hmm. And so in one case, it's a matter of the blue light acting on um, one portion of the brain, the hypothalamus. And in the other case, it's this very low intensity blue light acting on the whole visual cortex. And from there, it goes to the whole brain, actually, to the, uh, the frontal cortex, to your awareness. And when you work with pure colors, you don't work with a physical phenomenon. You really work with, with the mental, uh, um, a mental cognitive phenomenon because Colors are associated with all kinds of things which are different for everybody. It's quite subjective, um, our relationship to colors. 
some people will have aversion to specific colors. Um, some colors will mm -hmm. be associated to some trauma in the past, perhaps. And some colors will trigger certain emotions in certain people. So we have a very personal connection with colors. And this actually is used by skillful therapists as a key to unlock emotional blockages. There's a whole form of light therapy that's based on using specific colors, precisely those that will, with which you feel less comfortable because they will act as triggers to open up um, things emerging from your unconscious. So, for example, I really have um, a dislike for those like, you know, like those long, skinny fluorescent lights that like you find in supermarkets and places <laughs> like that. For some reason, like I've never liked those lights. It always kind of makes me feel depressed and it's kind of creepy or something. <laughs> Is that something that, that a lot of people feel with those type of lights or is it something like maybe like you know something inside of me that just says i don't like these lights because i had a bad experience with this type of lighting um it, it's quite common uh, fluorescent lights uh, are perceived as unpleasant by uh, probably a majority of people uh, especially people who are more sensitive um, and there are reasons for that. It, it's, um, one is the spectrum of the light. If you look at the, the light emitted by fluorescent tubes, um, it has very strong uh, discontinuous rays, mm -hmm. uh, peaks of emission. Because basically the light in the fluorescent tube is emitted by mercury atoms uh, that, that are ionized. And they will resonate at very specific frequencies, especially in the UV part of the spectrum or deep blue part of the spectrum. And then you have coatings on the tube that will convert these high energy photons into more whitish light. So you have a mix both of this whitish light from phosphor and of the, the lines, the spectral lines mm -hmm. very sharp. And <clears throat> so even though our brain kind of makes an average of all that because our visual system cannot really differentiate uh, specific frequencies. It just takes the overall perception from our uh, cones in, in the retina. So we don't see exactly what's going on, but but still they will have a different impact, um, subtle impact. And, and so the spectrum is one aspect. Another problem with fluorescent light is that it's not stable, it's flickering. That's what it always feels <laughs> like. It flickering. doesn't feel constant. Right. And that's a whole other issue uh, in relation with artificial lighting, uh, the issue of light noise or flickering. Um, because um, our visual system perceives uh, um, light changes only up to about 50 cycles per second. If changes are faster than that, um, our eyes cannot really perceive it directly. So many people designing artificial light sources have concluded that if there's any flickering above 50 cycles, it's not much of a problem because the eye doesn't see it anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's been kind of the assumption for decades. And now we know that it's not really the case. There are uh, um, some very strong detrimental effects of pulsing lights. And some are less obvious, more subtle, acting more in the long term. But uh, um, it, it's 
the most sensitive people will perceive it immediately. It will actually give them headache or, or eye strain and so on. Mm-hmm. But even um, the rest of us who are not necessarily that sensitive have this kind of instinctive uh, aversion, as, as you say. Um, if you're exposed to it for extended period of time, it, it can lead to, to uh, uh, it's a source of, of environmental stress in a way that that's, you don't see directly, but it kind of puts a pressure on you. Um, the, the sad thing is that it, it's still the case with LED uh, lighting as well. Many LED light bulbs also emit a highly pulsed uh, light output. <clears throat> and you don't perceive it, you don't see it, mm-hmm. but uh, you can measure it. Um, you can see that a large proportion of light bulbs that you find in your everyday life um, emit a highly noisy and pulsed light. And again, it's, it's a form of environmental stress that you really don't need. Um, and the more so because it's quite easy to find light bulbs that, that are stable. Mm-hmm. They, they are available. There, there's many um, brands that, that have high quality lights that don't have such high noise. And it's just a matter of selecting the right ones and, and putting those in your home. Hmm. So it's not my imagination. <laughs> I'm relieved. How I about actually made a little device that that is made specifically for that to detect light noise? Oh, is that the light bee? Right. So you can. It, it's an inexpensive tool to to allow you to immediately identify which sources of light in your home are at high noise and, and then you can just replace them with uh, clean sources of light. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I never actually even realized that light noise was the actual flickering. And I never, I always just thought it was me that like when I'm somewhere where like, like I, I work in a supermarket and um, in the back in the kitchen where I, well, I am a lot. There's there's no windows or anything. It's just the fluorescent lights, and it's just it's kind of just dreary and weird. But and then if I go out into the store, where they have a whole bunch of like skylights, you know, and the sun's coming through, it totally changes me. <laughs> it feels completely different to me. Right. Well, our visual system is extremely sensitive to the, the color temperature. Uh, of light. That's the uh, white light can have many different tints, as you know well. Mm-hmm. White light can be more yellowish, can be more bluish. And this particular uh, variation tint is uh, related to what we call color temperature. And, and um, uh, we are very used and very, very um, tuned to tiny changes in this because. Um, it's related to our health. Uh, for example, you know that if you're sick, your skin color will change. You, you can become more yellowish mm-hmm. and so on. So it, it, we, we instinctively associate skin color, skin tone with the health status of the persons that we see. Um, we may not consciously be aware of it. It's kind of built in our uh. DNA, if you like. But uh, so that's why this, this kind of... Uh, depressing light which has the wrong unnatural spectrum it's kind of associated in our conditioning with this unhealthy state of being 
So they can, it can have this kind of psychological depressing effect indeed, uh, even independently of the flickering that I just mentioned. It's a combination of all these factors. Uh, there's so many aspects of light that, that come into play and they all, uh, um, they all work together. Yeah. yeah, I've always known, like, wherever I work, I'm always like, I want to sit next to the window. <laughs> yeah. Because I just like well, the sun is, is, is naturally the, the, the reference of um, healthy light. Yeah. Because life evolved on the sunlight since from the beginning for five billion years. So everything that corresponds to, to the, the um, ideal balance uh, is what's closest to sunlight. How about candlelight? A lot of people use, you know, I mean, I th candlelight also has, has a natural, I mean, even though it flickers, it's not like the same flickering of, um, like for fluorescent light, it's a more of a soothing type of um, feeling to it. And I don't know, it has a totally different vibe than than, than any other light that I know. Well, that brings um, us to a whole other question again, which is the um, the beneficial effects of flickering, because um, it, it's always a matter of, of frequencies. Some frequencies are healthy, some are unhealthy, and um, so you cannot throw everything in the same basket right. and say that as soon as it's flickering, it's bad. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work like that at all what will have a tendency to be bad will be um, fast or, or re very regular obsessive frequencies. For example, the flickering light from a light bulb at a few hundred hertz that will be constantly in an environment for hours on end. Anything that's constant and obsessive kind of gradually grinds you down. Um, but on the other hand, there are some very natural rhythms uh, that are healthy and, and beneficial and uh, give you energy. Uh, we have all kinds of uh, rhythms happening in our own body and mind constantly. And any um, phenomenon that, that kind of is in sync with those natural rhythms will have a tendency to, to bring harmony. And so these biorhythms, they, they actually, many of them are in the range of flickering of a candle which is roughly one cycle per second, one hertz. Mm -hmm. That very slow range uh, is related to many uh, uh, biorhythms that are very, very fundamental and that are key rhythms for us. For example, the heartbeat, which is about 1.2 hertz. Uh, anything that, that uses that, that range of frequencies of the heartbeat uh, is very powerful and can be very healing. For example, most shamanic drumming it uses uh, harmonics of, of those heartbeat frequencies. <clears throat> then you have uh, uh, breathing, which is even slower, a few seconds, another very slow rhythm that, that's natural. And, and, uh, and then you have brain waves, that's a whole range of low frequencies, which is extremely important. So mm -hmm. brain emits very low level frequencies uh, and electromagnetic waves in the range of about 1 to 40 hertz. And again, when you have flickering in that range, um, you can start to interact with brain waves, uh, either in a negative way uh -huh. or a positive way. It depends how you, again, how you use it. As it kind of segues right into the next question I was just thinking about is, um, the, does 
um, light and color change our ba- our brain waves because I know what happens with sound. I I know sound can alter our brain wave state, but, um, but does light also do that? Definitely. The the um, here you're re- you're um, talking about the phenomenon of brainwave entrainment, mm-hmm. where um, your brain waves can be uh, entrained or influenced by a sensorial stimulus. And that will actually work with any of our senses. You can uh, entrain brainwaves through sound, mm-hmm. through light, uh, even through touch. If you have vibrating touch, you can again uh, lead to brainwave entrainment. Because it's a matter of, um, of resonance. All these entrainment phenomena are related to resonance. Whenever anything that's vibrating naturally, and in fact, in most of reality, everything is vibrating at, at different um, ranges of frequencies. Um, whenever you have something that, that's vibrating, if you expose it to a source of energy that's vibrating at a frequency that's very close to it, there's a, a very natural phenomenon of resonance where they will start to transfer energy in a very, very efficient manner. And so if you're exposed to a pulsating source of sensorial input, whether it's sound or light, Mm -hmm. if it's pulsating in the range of your brainwaves, somewhere between one and 40 hertz, uh, within a few minutes, there'll be a very natural phenomenon. Your brain will have a tendency to fall in sync with that stimulus. Um, Because we know that different brainwave frequencies are associated with different mental states, then you see that you have a way from this external sensorial stimulus to um, influence your inner state of mind in, in a very uh, soft and non-invasive way if it's properly done. Interesting. Um, so a person could probably combine different things. Like for brainwave entrainment, you could probably you could use color and sound, maybe even Actually, get, yeah, get like a devices. quicker result. Yes, many devices do just that. You must have seen these uh, goggles with pulsing lights. They usually come with pulsing sounds. Uh, it's, called, it's what's called audio-visual entrainment. Um, the, because vision is our primary uh, sense, it still gives the most efficient entrainment uh, channel. So pulsing light is, really has the maximum impact. But pulsing sound can be used on its own. And when you use them together, mm-hmm. you do have more impact. And there's been interesting recent studies where they, they, you can see if you have a pulsing light, it will entrain uh, the visual cortex. If you have a pulsing sound, it will entrain the, the, the auditory cortex in your brain. And, but it will kind of be kind of restricted to those particular sensorial uh, centers. Mm-hmm. But if you start to use both together, you see that after a while, the stimulation from these two sources starts to spread to, to wider regions of the brain. So when you have this multipolar uh, stimulation effect, you kind of um, you can go more globally in a much more efficient way. And actually, now I'm starting to work with a third uh, sense, which is a kinesthetic vibration, kinesthetic stimulation. Um, which can also be used if it's vibrated in the proper way for granular entrainment. 
So in my latest systems, I use all three senses mm -hmm. simultaneously to, to get the uh, um, the most uh, beautiful and powerful entrainment effect. Well, when I think about all this, I, I think about like um, going to a rock concert almost. You know, you have the sound, the lights, and a lot of times the sound is so the music's so loud that you can feel it on your skin too. Mm -hmm. So, so you're getting all three of these different sensory experiences at the same time. Absolutely, and that's why people are attracted to it. That's why people love it. Um, um, again. Um, these are powerful natural uh, phenomena. Um, they can be used in different ways. They can be used to, to um, damage or, or um, make you sick, or they can be used to heal. It, it's all a matter of um, um, balance. Interesting. Um, with the healing aspect of it, can um, this type of entrainment be used to help um, say, for example, manage pain, pain management. You know, so many people now, you know, especially like over the last 20 years have, you know, gotten addicted on all kinds of crazy pain medications and, and, and things like that. But can, can, these, can these techniques help a person avoid like those type of, um, having to use those type of chemicals to, um, manage pain and get through daily life? Yes, it is a field where which has a lot of potential. And, and um, there are many studies ongoing. There are many um, um, promising results. Um, for example, it's it's been shown now that the very slow rhythms, uh, what's called sub-delta or infra-slow rhythms, these are the rhythms that are slower than, than the, um, the deepest brain waves, the, the delta range, which is the, the waves of deep sleep, they go down to about one hertz. And uh, when you go even below the, those frequencies, you are in the infra-slow range. Uh, so it's no more related to brain wave activity, mm -hmm. but it, it's um, we now see that these very slow rhythms have a powerful impact on um, um, our perception of pain and, and uh, um, stress and um, fibromyalgia symptoms and so on. Uh, so there are there's a lot of experimentation going now with these very slow rhythms, and you can apply them in different ways. You can apply them through slow movements of light, slow pulsations of light. You see it, for example, in the globe here. You mm -hmm. can see that it's changing every few seconds in waves. So it's an example of um, infraslow uh, stimulation. And um, so if you have that in your environment, um, it, it does have um, a positive effect. And um, even independently of those rhythms, uh, colors uh, have an effect as well. There are some interesting studies ongoing uh, for a few years at the University of Arizona where they use green light to help uh, chronic pain, head, uh, migraines, uh, and this type of, of effect. And you see that the green light uh, definitely has a, a very positive effect. And um, of course, people using uh, color therapy um, in past centuries could have told those researchers 
long ago that green light is good for that, but now it's being rediscovered by modern science and validated. Um, so these are other examples again of how you can use light uh, to, to tackle this kind of uh, difficulties. That's so interesting because, you know, people will always say, a lot of times I hear people say they, they feel better just being around nature. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're around a whole bunch of green. Well, that was actually the original inspiration for the um, researchers um, that I mentioned at the University of Arizona. They, they, one of the um, professors there found that when he was in the forest, he, he felt better. His, his, uh, and, and so it, that gave him the first idea to test green light for that purpose. So indeed, that that's kind of <laughs> comes from a very natural perception. Wow, it's, it's amazing, you know, that that some of these answers were just are just right in front of us, and it's so hard for us to discover in a weird way. Right. Well, often the difficulty is because we have so many. Um, signals coming to us together in, in a big confusion mm -hmm. that uh, and, and in order for this type of effects to work what you can call vibrational healing which is healing related to specific frequencies whether it's light color or pulsations or so on you have to be able to tune in to a specific specific frequencies and if you have kind of a white noise uh, which has all kinds of frequencies mixed together you cannot induce that res resonance phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of go back to, to pure sources of, of vibration, whether it's pure colors, pure sounds, and so on, to really um, be able to, to tune into them and get uh, uh, optimal benefits. Hmm. How about television? Is television... The television, like the, because I mean, we're watching television, we're essentially just watching, you know, light and color. Um, th does that have a, a positive or negative effect on us? <laughs> it's a multi dimensional question. Um, <laughs> purely in, in terms of light, um, physical light, uh, television is, is a very noisy source of light. First of all, it, it's flashing. It has a frame rate. It's flashing mm -hmm. at 25 or 50 or uh, fortunately now the frequency of the frame rate is getting higher. But basically it's still uh, flashing. That in itself means it, it's a stressful source of, of light. Um, and then it, it, it's made of millions of individual pixels, which are driven by um, RF uh, frequencies. Um, so very high frequencies in the megahertz range. So if you look at what's coming out, it's extremely noisy in terms of um, electromagnetic energy. So I know people are, are often asking me, why not use TV for um, light therapy? Because everybody has a beautiful big screen in their living room. It would be perfect. Uh, and you can, in a way, you can generate beautiful colors with them. But because of that uh, noise aspect, uh, and basic frame rate pulsation aspect, it's very difficult to get a, uh, a healing light from a television screen, unfortunately. Uh, so that's why 
most people working in the field will build their own light source um, so that you have a very clean, pure source, uh, stable source of light. Mm. And uh, so that's just on a physical mm -hmm. level. Of course, we won't talk about the mental level, which is the content of, of what right. you watch on TV. That, that's a whole other Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've noticed, like, um, like, if I watch TV in my bedroom, it, I don't sleep the same mm -hmm. as if I don't watch TV in my bedroom. Like, there's a different difference in, in my sleep patterns when I, when I don't. When I don't watch TV, my sleep, I, I sleep straight through, you know, and, and it's calmer, it's just better. Yeah. If I if I watch TV at night before I go to sleep, or like sometimes my wife will watch TV. She likes she loves watching TV before we go to sleep, and yeah. and then and I find it kind of like disturbing and it kind of throws me off balance. Um, well, naturally, um, if if TV is is a, um, a superb source of mental stimulation, mm -hmm. that's why we we love it. That's why we're addicted to it. Uh, so naturally, if you, you stimulate your mind uh, right before going to sleep, uh, it, it may not be most conducive to um, rest because you will activate all kinds of mental patterns, dreams, and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, so th that's one aspect of the question. Uh, there's a, a basic physical question also is that there's a lot of blue light in, in uh, the TV um, screen. You need those blue emitters to get nice color balance. Otherwise, um, colors will tend to be yellowish and not natural. So, uh, TV screens, computer screens, iPads, uh, iPhones, and TVs emit quite a bit of blue light, especially if you're close to them. So, just the the this level of blue light is sufficient mm -hmm. to disrupt your um, circadian rhythm and your melatonin uh, secretion that, that's been measured in many, many studies. I'll watch a screen for an hour um, before going to sleep is going to offset your melatonin levels. Uh, so there's clearly a direct impact, a biochemical impact as well. Wow. I didn't know that. Like, like some of the stuff that you're saying, I think would be just like common knowledge, but yeah, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. I, I think like there's so many people like just like with something simple like sleep like oh I can't sleep at night well it's like do you watch TV <laughs> right but fortunately for computers now that there's blue blockers um, it's again become part of the mainstream that um, you should avoid excessive blue light before going to sleep so you have these uh, uh, software components that, that will reduce blue light at night mm -hmm. it's unfortunately becoming more and more standard now um, so that, that's helpful to a certain degree <clears throat> there's also the question of what's called um, uh, artificial light at night or allen uh, there's also many studies uh, showing that it um, first disrupt sleep, even low-level sources of light during sleep are detrimental. Anything that's brighter than the moon um, will uh, can have a, a, a 
disrupting effect on sleep. Um, and of course, it may make you more tired, but it goes much further than that. If you do that over years, chronically, mm-hmm. then it's been related to, to uh, um, much deeper issues like cancer, diabetes, and so on. Wow. Um, so <clears throat> I want to ask you a little bit more of a, of a, a question that's kind of out there. Can't, 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 can't. It's your specialty, isn't it? It is my specialty, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, can, can a person use light to reach um, altered states of consciousness to help them have like out-of-body experiences and stuff like that? Definitely. Um, that, that's a whole other dimension of light. Um, what we could call the, the spiritual dimension of light. Um, there's always been an association between light and consciousness and the highest forms of consciousness. Uh, I mean, the word enlightenment means mm-hmm. achieving the highest state of consciousness that's synonymous with light in all traditions uh, um, all over the, the uh, planet. So there is this deep association between light and the highest forms of consciousness. Uh, so you, that leads to many uses of light um, for uh, related to kind of spiritual healing. Um, if you can use light as something to inspire you, to connect you with higher dimensions of, of inner peace or quietness and so on as a form of, of meditation. Uh, so you can use lights in, in this sense to bring you to altered states. Um, of course, more prosaically, you have uh, things like stroboscopes, which will uh, very intense flashing light mm-hmm. will um, can disrupt your, your mental uh, processes and can trigger again altered states. There, there's uh, you must have heard of uh, Monroe, who studied systematically these uh, yeah. interactions through different frequencies. So for sure, um, if you have strong pulsing light you will create other states. There are interesting devices using the principle. Uh, um, some colleagues of mine have created a beautiful instrument called Lucia Number no. 3, their Austrian um, neurophysiologist and, and uh, psychiatrist. It's just a, a sophisticated stroboscope, and it's used precisely as a means of inducing altered states, but in a controlled environment and with with uh, um, beneficial intent so you can definitely use light for that kind of application in my own approach the devices that i create um, i use these combinations of pure colors and, and subtle pulsations of light to um, bring people towards a, a deeply harmonious inner state um, and that's another form of altered state, which uh, leads to um, very naturally to um, spontaneous healing of mm-hmm. various sorts. So that, that's that's also a way to uh, use these um, natural vibrations. Is like for example, like, like I have epilepsy, and flashing lights will give me a seizure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
So, 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 I should, so I should stay away from the quick strobe lights and go with something more mellow like you have behind you. For sure. There, there's, um, there's a significant, uh, a small but significant proportion of the population who has this uh, photosensitivity. Um, so they can have epilepsy seizures triggered by pulsing light. And um, it's just a few percent of people or a fraction of percent, I, I forget. But it is definitely a, a risk. And um, so strong stroboscopes are never advisable or, or they're not safe. Uh, that's why when you want to work with light pulsations, you have to be very much aware of this. And um, first be careful not to, to uh, propose that to people who have Mm -hmm. know that they have such a sensitivity or you can also tone them down that's what i do in my approach and, and my sensor assistants i use light pulsations but instead of pulsing them like a stroboscope which it goes from fully on to fully off like 100 percent modulation mm -hmm. i only pulse a small portion of the intensity for example maybe five percent of the intensity so instead of going from 100 percent to zero as in a stroboscope I go from 100% to 95%. And when you do that, you have a very different uh, um, thing happening. Uh, it, it, the, you can tune it so that it's just at the limit of um, what you perceive. So the pulsations becomes very subtle, very delicate, and there are no more uh, a threat. There are no more um, something that you have to protect yourself from right. from the stroboscope. And they become the opposite. They become some kind of mysterious quality of light that you, you can't quite put your finger on it. It's a bit like fire. It's softly moving. Mm -hmm. And instead of being repelled, um, on the contrary, you're attracted to it. You, you want to go deeper into it. So you can still use the same frequencies to work with brain waves and, uh, or, or um, infraslow rhythms and, and various uh, such... Uh, possibilities but if you do, it's a question of dosage if you apply it in, in the right manner you eliminate the risk of epileptic um, right. uh, consequences and you can still have the, the use of vibration content awesome can you synchronize the 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 light color and pulsing um to like a binaural beat um, yes, I mean, that's why many. Of, uh, that's what many of these audio visual simulation mm -hmm. devices do. They, they will have synchronized light and, and sound pulses. And uh, binaural beats are strictly related to an auditory phenomenon. It's really the, the difference between what you two ears perceive. There's not. It doesn't quite translate in the same way with the visual system. Um, so you don't. You don't need to have these differences between the two mm -hmm. eyes because your eyes can directly respond to these low brainwave frequencies right. which your ear cannot you cannot hear uh, one hertz but you can see one hertz so uh, binaural is really a specifically uh, audio uh, process to entrain brain waves through, through um, sound frequencies and you can indeed combine it with pulsing lights and again the, the, that's when it becomes uh, it has most potential. Hmm. So, so you personally, um, ha have you been able to achieve any altered states of consciousness or out-of-body experiences through using some of the products that you make with light? 
<laughs> well, it's really not my intent uh, in what I do to provoke uh, <laughs> this type of, of, um, of um, reaction. Mm -hmm. But actually, the, the, my own inspiration to explore this uh, field came from originally from altered states, uh, simply from meditation. Which for me, it's really the starting point. Uh, I um, I studied in physics and physicist, and um, I was also interested in meditation since an early age. Right. <laughs> and uh, I started to wonder if uh, it was possible to use technology uh, to try to to have a, a positive effect. Uh, on, on consciousness mm. and that's why I started to explore these means of using light and sound uh, to, to bring these uh, um, deeper more harmonious inner states uh, but I suspect that what you were imagining by altered states are, are more uh, dramatic not necessarily I, I, I'm more of a, a, a meditator you know and mm. Even if it's a subtle change, you know, right. I, I consider even listening to music that changes my mood in altered state. Uh, right, music is a form of therapy in itself. The yeah, but I, I'm more interested in the the um, the deeper and more subtle effects than in the um, the raw, um, uh, more violent effects. Uh, mm -hmm. and both are possible with, with light. Uh, stimulation. That's pretty cool. Um, so, what type of uh, products do you offer? Um, I know you have that cool sphere that's behind you. I was watching the uh, YouTube video of it earlier today before I interviewed you. And I was like, wow, this uh, thing is really cool. Well, I've developed a number of instruments. I mean, it's more than yeah, 35 years now that I've explored the field, so I've created many generations of various mm -hmm. instruments. But um, currently it's evolved into um, one system that I create for, for therapists, and that's called Sensora, and it's multi-sensorial. It, it uses uh, light, it uses sound, and it also uses kinesthetic vibrations uh, through a special chair or mattress, which has an array of sound transducers that will create a wave of vibration that's tuned to the different uh, vibrations that you're working with, with the light and the sound. So when the three work together, and it's pretty uh, uh, beautiful and powerful um, therapeutic modality when it's used um, by, by um, therapists who are in tune with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of my main um, product. Um, but once, uh, of course, this is for a very limited uh, range of people, and I, I wanted to have something that would be more uh, available to the, the public in general. Right. And, and that's why I created this, uh, the light globe, the sensosphere there. So it's derived from the same um, light modulation technology as, as the larger um, professional system, the Sensora, but it's in, in, within a small lamp that you can put in your home. And that still will ha um, have those um, um, different uh, patterns of pulsations built in in very soft way. So it kind of harmonizes the environment in which it's placed in, in a very non-invasive and soft way. Interesting. 
And I also, when I was on your website, I saw like this projector. Right, that's part of the Sensora, the, the, um, the large therapy system. The, um, there are many techniques using goggles, so projecting lights and, and, and small um, mm -hmm. um, point sources. And um, from the very beginning, me and, and my colleague, with whom a therapist with whom I created this in, in the early days, uh, we didn't feel comfortable with this approach. It was felt a bit claustrophobic. Uh, so we, we prefer to re work with open field projection. So what we have now is a large screen uh, that's uh, depending on the versions of the system from six to 10 feet in diameter. And it's set so that it pretty much covers your whole field of vision. Uh, and you are reclining on that uh, special chair under that. And it's calibrated so that you're immersed in this field of pure colors. And uh, that's when it, it, that it becomes really, uh, um, it, it has the potential to really entrain and fully captivate your attention when your whole field of vision is involved. And that's where you can have the, the optimal or maximum impact on, on any therapeutic process that you want to work with. Wow. So, so what is like the, um, the most like profound thing that, that you've, that has been reported to you as a result of using the Sensora? When you work with light in this way, you have very unpredictable things happening. Yeah. Um, it depends so much on the sensitivity of, of people. Uh, some people are so um, sensitive that the slightest trigger will bring up things in them. And so we've seen uh, over the years um, very beautiful and surprising things. Um, I often give public presentations where we project the sensor light on, on the screen and on the stage. Mm -hmm. And there can be somebody back at the back of the, the, the hall so for them, it's just a small thing far away in front of them. And we've seen cases where just um, tuning into that light for some persons uh, triggered very deep things that, that were life transforming. They, they were only waiting for this, just this right trigger to, for something to emerge from their unconscious. Wow. So some people have had um, buried memories that they have forgotten from their childhood, which suddenly came up spontaneously. Um, and, and some people sometimes have uh, um, impressions of past lives emerging uh, when they're in that light field. Uh, some people will start to have visions, they will, uh, will see hieroglyphs mm -hmm. and, and symbols where, where there are none. It's only pure light that we, we project. So it's really superimposed by the, uh, the mind. Uh, so there are indeed many uh, um, phenomena of that more altered state that, that, that because it, it's kind of a dreamlike state that we are working with. Uh, we're working with this ethereal um, vibrating light and it, it kind of connects you to that uh, um, an astral plane, if you like. It, right. I often um, liken it to a technology to materialize in our physical plane, something mm -hmm. that belongs more to the astral, that, that's non-physical, and that you sometimes perceive in dreams. Uh, so this is a technology to, to systematically reproduce it. 
on our physical plane. Wow, that's great. Um, can uh, this technology also be used in hypnosis? Definitely, uh, it's beautiful complements to um, uh, people working in different forms of hypnosis, sophrology, and, and, and different techniques, uh, and because it, it helps to uh, focus and, and bring your whole perception uh, together. So uh, definitely, it's a perfect combination for um, hypnosis. Hmm. Yeah, I would definitely be using that globe to try to hypnotize myself. <laughs> I think it's cool. Right. Well, yeah, you can. I mean, it, it's. Um, um, I would prefer to to view it as as a way to uh, bring you into meditation and mm -hmm. peaceful state. Um, but you might want to call that hypnosis. It, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's all. Uh, I'm not sure if there's it, a difference. What? I'm not sure if there's really a difference between hypnosis exactly, and yeah. meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all ways of, of working with the mind and, and uh, unifying the mind. That's fantastic. Um, where can my mm -hmm. listeners uh, find you? Um, well, um, there's the website sensora.com. I also have a book that's called Light Therapies, where I, I um, um, talk in more details of lots of things that we've uh, mentioned today. I try to give an overall picture of all these different ways of using light for healing across the whole spectrum. Um, and there's a, a website for, for the book that's uh, light-therapies.com. Great. Uh, what I'll do is in the notes of this episode, I'll post the links to all those. So when people listen to it, to us, They'll be able to just click on the links and check you out, and maybe they'll buy some of those globes. I might have to actually get one for myself. <laughs> I love that thing. And the globe, um, it's. Uh, okay, listeners won't see it. It's quite complex inside. Uh, oh, wow. See the electronics. There are 17 independent sources of light mm -hmm. inside it, and they're driven by a small computer. Um, that's at the center. Um, that's what enables it to create um, complex moving patterns of light. It's not just one um, color happening. It's really the flow, a continuous flow of yeah. light. And the, that's where the magic happens in, in the, the way in which this flow is tuned to specific frequencies. For example, there's one beautiful mode which uh, works with the Schumann resonance, the mm -hmm. frequency of the natural resonance frequency of the Earth's electromagnetic field. Uh, it's a very uh, soothing frequency because uh, all our cells are tuned to it. Uh, so it's built in the light and, 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 and one particular program. The unit has different moods, different uh, programs. Uh, you can use it to stimulate, to relax, mm -hmm. to balance, and so on, depending on the combinations of colors and frequencies that it uses. That is fantastic. That is a great invention. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And thanks for taking the time to talk to me this afternoon. My pleasure, Gary. And, and um, um, well, it, it's it, fascinating to see the range of topics that you cover in, in uh, you're really interested to uh, in, in both the scientific and the uh, esoteric dimensions. 
Oh yeah, I I don't think I don't think the connection between the two can be ignored anymore. Correct. Yes, and the whole field of um, energy medicine, vibrational medicine, is gradually uh, emerging. There's still mm. a long way to go, but um, it, it's just a matter of time. It will. It is the the medicine of the 21st century. Yeah, and it's a lot less harsh and more healing and it's gentler. You know, it's not, nobody wants to be cut open and have organs pulled out. <laughs> Sometimes you need you need it, but... Uh, well, if you can avoid it. <laughs> often you can uh, manage to avoid getting there. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thanks for being on. Just hang on one second and I'm just going to play the outro and we'll wrap it up. All right. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. And it's on Amazon. It'll change your life. Everything that exists was first imagined. I have to get that one too. If you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.